What's going on this morning? <laughs> We're back wow. to recording in the morning. And what an energy uh, this podcast <laughs> this this already has. What? Don't make me carry you guys. Wake up this morning. This is WD40 live coming at you. Radio hosts, we're here and we're live and this is it. That was good. That was my audition. Do you think I could be a radio host? One time at camp, this is a way side story. One time at camp, uh, this dude came. It was just this big dude. I don't know if he was related to anyone. I think he just showed up. And he was like, do you guys even know how to do a radio voice? I'll give one of you one try. And if you get it right, you'll get a hundred bucks. Which at the time was like, that's a lot of money. I mean, it still kind of is. Because I'm poor. Yeah. um, and, he, and so one kid like went up there and he was like, okay, um, welcome to the radio. I'm doing a good job. Boo, boo, boo. And like, we were like, yeah, woo, fuck yeah. And he's like, okay, kid, but listen to this. Welcome to the radio. And like, he did this whole like big like thing. And then the kid just felt bad about himself, like for the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. So That's if you're awful. listening, radio guy. Fuck you. That is um, an incredibly specific. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Jake doing a fake radio voice was all in pursuit of (laughs) roasting this dude. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy story. But hello and welcome back. (laughs) Is it going to be weird if my audio just sounds completely different in the beginning? (laughs) You know what I mean? I think we should just I think we should just redo this. It might be weird. I feel like it'll be a fun bit, though, if we're like, hey, we fixed Jake's audio. Well, then we need to do the bit. <laughs> well, no, no, because Jake said the thing like, hey, would it be weird? And then I said, hey, we could do a bit. And oh, now yeah, we're this doing is the bit. bit. Now. We're being real meta. This is the bit. We're in it. We're in the bit. We're in the bit. <laughs> we're in the, the bit. L- listeners, you can't see us, but. You know, I was doing some great physicality there. It was really yeah. adding to the experience. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. Hello and welcome back. We're the Tough Cut Podcast. Do you think um, they wouldn't figure that out by now? <laughs> Do you think that's just something that is like, what the fuck was I listening to? Do you think someone just like, someone was in the shower, one of their like housemates or whatever, grabbed their phone or connected their speaker, just started playing some audio and it happens to be our podcast. And then, you know, they they just like don't know where it's coming from. And they're like, this isn't a podcast. Uh, I think it would be kind of scary if someone snuck into my house and took my phone. No, I said a um, housemate. Yeah, he did. Oh. That part I heard. I heard. I missed that part. <laughs> I think if a housemate took my phone while I was in the shower and started blasting the Tough Cut podcast, I would nut instantly. Hearing your own voice. That's what it does yeah. to you. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, that's why it's really hard for me to edit the podcast. <laughs> you actually mute your own track while you're doing it. Nonstop pleasure for however many hours. Nice. Um, looping back for what seems like, I don't know, the fourth time. Hello and welcome back. We're the Tough Gun <laughs> Podcast. 
Another story I wanted to say. <laughs> Wait, is- Matt, you continue to not introduce yourself. Like you are the person who says the next thing and you continue to pause yeah. and not say it. Because you guys keep jumping in. Okay. Okay. Let me have my moment. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. paused for five seconds so Jake could jump in and what give a story. Is this is, on is that you. like a jelly? <laughs> Every single time it's on you. It looked like a gun. That's a um, fucking seahorse. My man has a seahorse in his hand. Seahorse. Uh, Proteus. Can't read it because it's you know it's mirrored. You know, um, I feel like anyone who, who doesn't know yeah, yeah. that Proteus is a Mardi Gras parade, <laughs> that would just make absolutely no sense. You just held up the seahorse and said Proteus, <laughs> and it's like, ah, yes, of course, I understand this. Nice. All right. Well, we're the Tough Cut Podcast. Um, I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, no. I'm Jake. Oh, I just no. want to leave y'all in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is episode 44, part three of our hungry bracket, food bracket, cooking bracket. We're three, three fourths of the way in. We still don't know. Yeah, this bracket. Um, We're we going to find out by the end. Movies, right? We talk about them. Hopefully. I think we have to have a decision by the end because one movie will win. Um Ooh. We we make a bracket of movies. We uh, uh, have a theme. This one is kind of um, amalgus and it shifts and changes, but it's food, hungry, cooking, something in, in that area. Um, and eventually there will be a winner. Yeah. Next episode, I think, if my calculations are right. Mm, I'm going to decide one this episode. <laughs> I mean, the winner is in this episode, but we won't find out till next episode. Holy shit. That's kind of a beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Wow. wow. The winner was in all the episodes all along. That's art. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. Uh, spoil, spoil, still, still need a joke about spoiling food and there be spoiler warnings. Not only do we spoil these movies, we go into your home and write new expiration dates on all your food. And you know the rule. If you write it on the food... And we turn off your refrigerator. Yeah. You know? It's real. It's real. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling these movies. Maybe other movies. This is a spoilery, you know, thing. Proud of us. Nice. Did you say Israel? Did you say Israel and show us your Hanukkah sweatshirt? Is that what that was, Matt? (laughs) Yes. Um, Cool. And I'm going to use that to jump right into what's going to be in today's episode. Um, Coming at you, we've got Ratatouille versus Chef and Jiro Dreams of Sushi. These relate to Israel because Ratatouille is uh, actually, they say it's in Paris, but it was actually filmed in Israel. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Filmed on location. And uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi mm-hmm. versus Good Burger. Um, it should be a lot of fun. The tuna in Jiro Dreams of Sushi are Jewish. Yeah. That's how that one relates to Israel. Cool. With that, Sorry for totally uh, ruining your momentum. I know you are really into it, and I just <laughs> totally stopped you dead. This is a good episode. Always was. Um, with that, <laughs> hey, Jake, you get hey. it's dealer's choice. Do you want to introduce Chef uh, or Ratatouille first? I think I'm going to introduce them both at the same time. 
They are. Yeah. Okay, go for it. Amazing. So, uh, I pitched both Chef and Ratatouille. Chatouille, if you will. And one is directed by Brad Bird in 2007, and the other is directed by John Favreau in 2014. <laughs> Dealer's choice. Uh, they both got chefs in them. <laughs> one of them goes to Paris. One of them's a Florida road trip in a food truck. And they both get critics who really get under their skin and really fuck them up. And they try to redeem themselves in the end and have a love interest who is either French or uh, Hispanic. And <laughs> Ratatouille doesn't, or Remy doesn't have a kid. That's the big That's difference true. here. Remy doesn't have kids. <laughs> Nor Twitter. Nor, twi- well, <laughs> Nor Twitter. Nor Twitter. has Twitter. Uh, he, yeah, he's probably a little bit famous on Twitter. He's got a yeah. little bit of clout. He got, yeah, he got clout. I mean, his fucking dad or whatever the relation was died, gave him a restaurant. He was trending on Twitter. Or at least on French Twitter. I assume French Twitter is just about like cuisine. Yeah. Honestly, no one from French Twitter has tweeted us. Actually, I don't think anyone from France has listened to the podcast yet. So, <laughs> so maybe if you're this in is France, the episode. Um, I was about to do a call to action to if you're in France, listen to the podcast on the podcast where no, no one in France <laughs> listens to. Please listen. But we, we got some European listeners, but they're not in the European Union. Brexit. I love how that was like a like a like a hint. You wouldn't say what country it was. Is if you know for our listeners at home, if they wanted to guess which country you're from, Um, it's a fun thing we do at the Tough Cut. Yeah, asking people to tweet at us and then they don't do it. That's one of our favorite things. Um, Cool. So. Thank you, Jake, for introducing both Chef and Ratatouille at the same time, because I think this is the big topic of conversation on both all of our minds. These are the same movies. What the what the heck's up with that? Honestly, it's pretty cool. And I didn't even realize because I pitched both of them. Maybe I just like this type of movie. You know what I mean? Maybe I just really like the conversation about like how critics fit into how a chef like works and makes a living. Because if you're going to be a chef, like you have to have a relationship, a certain relationship with like critics in a weird way. And it feels the same ish Mm -hmm. with like performers in a way. Like I really love Birdman for a similar ish reason. Yeah. Love that film. Uh, Like, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you can't do it for the critics. You have to do it for you and all this stuff. But, but then, you know, at a certain time, like your livelihood kind of depends on a lot of it. And like, it's interesting. So I, I guess I just really like this kind of movie. Right. And both of them really, really uh, hang on to that. So I don't know. I think they're super interesting because they're definitely like they, they both deal with critics, but I think in very different ways, because like Remy is just starting out, you know, like Remy is new. Uh, like untested chef, you know, versus Jean Favreau is like, oh, he was a hotshot who lost his steam. So mm-hmm. it's like Remy is the beginning of a chef's career, and Jean Favreau is the the middle or the rebirth of the chef's career. Fascinating. The the other thing, um, like they have parallel plot structures, um, as Jake so kindly demonstrated. Um, Shatui. introducing these yeah Shatui. but I do think that their messaging is a little or like theming is a little bit different 
Mm. Um, Ratatouille hits very hard on the idea of anyone can cook. Um, <laughs> where Chef, I think you get that a little bit through um, John Favreau's character, Carl, his son. Right. However, I don't think that that is like this the major through line as much in Chef because we know John Favreau can cook and he's not trying to prove to anyone like John Favreau can cook, you know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is because this is like a passion project, you know? Um, yeah, maybe some fucking I, dude on Iron Man <laughs> 2 was just like, you can't cook, you little bitch-ass bitch. And it was Robert Downey was Jr. or something. And then he's like, all right, bet, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to make you be an asshole weirdo in it. And we're going to cook. <laughs> Don't cook. Robert Downey Jr. on the set of Iron Man 2 was like, man, this crafty food is dog shit today. And you just see a single tear roll down <laughs> John Favreau's face. Ah, uh, yes. The director of, of Iron Man 2 was also doing crafty. For- oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, is that he was a like, joke? It's my day. It's my special day to do crafty. <laughs> was, was that a joke? I'm, I'm too not in the entertainment industry to understand oh yeah sorry crafty mm-hmm. means cocaine oh thank you i thought it was craft services nope <laughs> that's the cheese you're thinking of the cheese Ah, uh, makes sense yeah. nice <laughs> um <laughs> so i just think it's it's interesting that these two movies utilize these parallel plot structures to kind of come to different thematic conclusions which obviously happens sort of all the time with movies. Um, But to have such close parallels and get to see it is just really cool. Um, And is something that I really appreciate about like this matchup. And it's, you know, one of the things that's fun about the show um, is like Jake mentioned, um, I had genuinely no idea until sitting down and watching these in close proximity. And I mean, you indicated as much as well. Um, which is just fun. Yeah. Do you guys, who, okay. Who do you guys think is the better sidekick chef? Is it mm-hmm. John Luziamo or, oh. uh, or, or French chef? What, I can't think French of her chef? name. What's her name? Uh, oh, the, the love okay. interest who is also a good so, chef and has a, a good yeah, dynamic yes, character. Yes. Um, but whose name I don't Colette. know cause it's French. Colette. Can you repeat the question because y'all were y'all were uh, uh, frozen for me, so I just was really quiet just in case. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, no! But you, you're back now. It, it goes in and out. Sometimes I just stay quiet and hope for the, okay. the best. What do you say? Who do you, you guys think? <laughs> okay. Jake. Okay, Jake. This one's for you, Jake. Yeah, yeah, Jake. Yeah. I asked who. Who do you think has the better? Who do you think is the better sidekick chef, John Lucasiamo or Colette, the French chef? Oh, that's a okay. question. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, I was very attracted to Colette, and mm. I meanwhile was very attracted to John Lucasiamo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, here's the thing: John Lucasiamo, he just shows up. And that's kind of wild to me. That was the most yeah, wild right? part of this movie, how he just randomly shows the fuck up in Florida. And he's like, I quit my job for you. And they just like move that was on. Sweet. That was like, it was very like, wow, I need a friend like that. But also what? What? Hey, he told him 
he'd be in his kitchen staff wherever he went next. And yeah. he's starting to, you know, Carl's starting a food truck. So Martin's going to join him. Yeah. And Colette, like, yeah, she taught me how to break bread. You know, would, would Colette do that? You know, no, would she drop no. and go mo- work at a food truck in Florida? I think after the events of the movie, she would no. during the events. No. She would become the head chef. No, I don't. I don't think she would. I think she would stay because she was going to be the head chef. Like that's what would have happened. You know, she was. Mm. She's a career woman. She was there for her career, and I think that's what she would have done. Excuse, pardon my ignorance, because it's been a couple of weeks since I watched these <laughs> movies. Um, at the end, she's not working at at Remy's restaurant, right? I don't think so. No. Uh, I guess they don't they don't necessarily indicate, but I don't think she is. I think she is. I it, it would feel weird to me if it she would have been weird. It would have been weird to see that final scene because and Gusteau's, I don't remember in it. Gusteau's like shuts down. Um and she is in it. Yeah, Gusteau shuts down. So like Re- Remy, he definitely working at Ratatouille, the name of the restaurant. That's right. Gusteau's shuts down. So yeah, she probably does work there. It, what if they shut um, down and Rebby was like, sorry, we're staffed up by rats. I'm watching it uh, right now. Find another job. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, got too many rats in the kitchen. No, no, you know, don't got to pay them a salary. So, you know, what's funny. Like Rebby can't talk. Rebby can't really communicate. So Linguini would have to translate. Sorry, babe. <laughs> too many rats. Get a fucking job. Oh my God. Do you think that Linguini gets a gets a go ahead, Alex? I just watched the video. Um, it kind of looks like Colette is Remy's boss because what happens is Remy is like telling the story at the table and then uh, he sees Ego sitting at a table and he turns to like look down into the kitchen from the rat rafters and she's like pointing at her watch like it's time to cook. So uh, she might be like Remy's boss. Um, or she just realizes that it's a fucking rat and she has to like his name can't be on the building you know what i mean like at a certain point that rat's not my fucking boss yeah cook your silly little food you little shit but at the same time you're not my fucking boss Um, sorry i don't know why i got so mad for colette but (laughs) because well jake I mean, I think listeners, longtime listeners of the show can start to put the pieces together that <laughs> my man will defend vehemently the uh, women he's crushing on hard. Yeah, I- I'd be crushing. I'd be crushing. You'd be crushing. In an all out fight, who wins, Crystal or Colette? <laughs> like Crystal from Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a question they, specifically for Jake, guys, but I have a feeling his freezing. audio isn't working again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm being sneaky quiet oh wait 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 i think about you said you mentioned my girl crystal though can you yeah, say it again yeah. okay jake here's here's the question okay here's the question jake in an all-out fight who wins colette or crystal okay so here's the thing if we're talking brawling you know i you, you want to pick the alien right but at the same time mm. i feel like colette can throw the fuck down Especially in I'm that kitchen. Certain of it, in fact. There, there was a dude who killed someone with their <laughs> thumb. You know what I mean? Like with yeah. his thumb. Yeah. I think Colette's winning this, actually. So here's the thing: Crystal has alien power and alien dog. Colette yes. has knife, and <laughs> knife is powerful. We also have to consider, though, it. Well, I guess we know for sure that the. Okay, we're talking Scooby Doo again. 
my area of expertise. <laughs> we know we know for sure that the dog has got at least a little bit of alien super strength. Right. Do right. we think Crystal's species also has some of that alien super strength? Or is that the reason they staff the the dog species with the crystal species? Because that one's got super strength. Crystal's got, I don't know, um, a hu- ref- fairly humanoid looking physique. <laughs> you know? These are the Who things alien FBI thinks about. Yeah. Who who says Colette doesn't have super strength? I guess we don't know if Colette has super strength or We've not. We've never tested because um, look, look, here's the thing. She's also <laughs> in an animated movie. We genuinely don't know her strength. The the rules can be different. But there's also no indication she has super strength, whereas we know but at there's least no some indication aliens. she doesn't. That's okay. If we're gonna play that game, then there's <laughs> yeah, you know there's we're no gonna indication. Go hardcore that... into fallacies. <laughs> um, sure, you know maybe Colette is no... literally unkillable. There's no you know indication that Colette doesn't is? have expert experience throwing <laughs> knives. Yeah, what's up? Colette's superpower is that she can commit, and Crystal can't. Crystal would rather Crystal go into space than date Shaggy. And Colette can. Yeah. Wow. Um, and John Favreau too. John Favreau can commit, or he. Uh, I was just. Commit. I was trying to bring us back around. Oh, oh yeah. I, well, okay. So, genuinely, uh, another like we were talking before about the uh, you know like critics and stuff and like the messaging, and you were talking about like the messaging of the film and like what that means. And I find it very interesting in very like different ways, but kind of similar. They go. They both go back to childhood. John Favreau doesn't necessarily go back to childhood, but it's his son that brings him out of, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like his funk. And, you know, with Ratatouille, like obviously yeah. it, ego gets transported back to his childhood and when things were simple and when food wasn't about this grandiose affair and like whatever, it was about like comfort and love and like, you know, anyone can cook, including your mom with like no ingredients because she's poor and making you like this simple dish and you love it. It doesn't mean anyone else has to. Um, and that is cooking. Um, and I think it's just very interesting that, you know, John Favreau's character had a, you know, he had, didn't have control of his menu. He was feeling stale and non-creative. Um, so in a way, John Favreau was kind of his own worst critic, kind of feeling like how mm. Ego felt about uh, Gusto's food. But uh, he, you know, once he had his kid and was realizing cooking could be fun again and just like hanging out and kind of going down to the brass like level, then he was all right. So I don't know. It's very, very interesting. And I want to know your thoughts about how you feel about the, these these uh, parallels and what do you think is better? Hmm. Well, I think thematically and emotionally, the the hit at the end of Ratatouille, I still think is, is possibly one of the best movie endings ever. I think it, it hits so emotionally and so hard that last scene, um, egos like hearing egos critique of everything. And uh, I just think that is so good overall. I think that chef probably does a better job of, weaving the theme throughout the movie um interesting in i guess like interesting and dynamic ways so my two cents on the subject i think that ratatouille really benefits from um how front and center its primary theme of anyone can cook is um it ties very well then into that ending scene a side note something that's always 
been it feels a little bit like cheating naughty naughty remy i mean <laughs> remy didn't know this but because um ego has such an attachment to ratatouille from his childhood like if remy had decided to make a different dish would he have just like swung and missed you know <laughs> either way um imagine so I think ratatouille really yeah exactly imagine i think ratatouille really benefits from that fact that you know it is um like so upfront with what its primary theme it, um, is and will be through the rest of the movie. However, there's this structural piece of chef that I really, really love mm. um, outside. Uh, like there isn't really an antagonist. You could say it's the reviewer. You could say it's um, Carl himself. Yeah, it feels like himself uh, at a lot of times, but. Yeah, himself is the closest thing I think we get to an antagonist. Right. Um, I just think that it lends itself to a really interesting slice of life structure where it just feels so nice to watch Chef. And mm-hmm. there is just mm-hmm. like so much of John Favreau's specific passion for specifically cooking and how much he loves food that comes through in like a really interesting way. Yeah. So it's tough because i think that ratatouille in its relationship with critics its relationship with its themes might be better executed but chef has this like structural and passionate uniqueness um that i, I don't know i don't know they both um, feel like, good though they're both like feel good movies for me where like i sit down and i'm like oh, I, I feel good after yeah. these and like you are kind of watching people struggle or, or rats struggle um <laughs> it's still <laughs> it still feels good in a way. Um, a- a- another thing that kind of struck me about these two movies in comparison is playing the hits versus creatively expanding. Like they, they oh, you know, I feel like you only hear that in the music or even writing TV seasons, but like in food that feels really cool. And you know, it's evident in both these movies, like chef literally the beginning, it's like, Oh, play the hits. And like, the dude was like, no, I want to expand. And both arguments seemed kind of sound, but then it like broke, you know, it kind of hurts that like Carl was right. But John Favreau's character was right. And then the same way in Gusto's, they're like, play the hits the chefs know what the hits are and what people are but it's only until creatively expanding with rad uh, with remy that you that the restaurant gets and, and shut the ratatouille down made. And that. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard when you're a rat in this biz man yeah, it's, it's tough it's just being very a rat interesting in the biz. i think that's a really good point jake uh especially thinking about um the way that food the way that they show critics responding to food and how um like ego responds to them doing something totally unexpected and how the critic and chef responds uh to the food truck and you know it's i just think it's it's interesting the way that the movie that both movies show these critics as real people and not just critics Hmm. uh in, in that same way i i also love um that the the critic and chef you know he confronts carl at the end um and he's like i just i just thought we were having like a little like twitter beef like it was just like for for fun (laughs) and he's like no that shit hurts people (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. and i wonder if a little bit of that is like spoken from a true place for john favreau like 
I don't know, dealing with like internet criticism and other things for movies. Um, I'm sure. Okay, definitely. There's no, you know, it seems like it was truly spirited and very intentionally included in the script. I, I will say when it comes to like both those critics, I f- do feel like ego is a little better characterized, especially visually, especially given more of a death, just most because his ending was kind of strange in chef. Uh, cause he was just like, yeah, we were just doing Twitter beef. Also, I'm going to fund you now. Uh, and like <laughs> they kind of do that with ego, like ego, like helps not, I don't know if he financially helps them, but you know, he writes a great review and which financially uh, you know, helps he them. goes to their restaurant afterwards, you know, it's, you know, similar ish scene where they try to get food, I, but in chef, they're just kind of like a bank rule. You know, we were just having fun, right? Ooga, booga, booga, booga. There, there's <laughs> there's also the fact with chef the i think that sort of to alex's credit from earlier the ending in ratatouille i think is better executed as well um in chef it's just kind of like and now they have a restaurant and he's getting married to his ex-wife again because they fell in love which um, is an interesting is really plot point to me because what, what happens it, what, to like where did scarlett johansson go like, what was up with her she character? Yo, for this movie, um, I'm glad you brought up Scarlett Johansson because there's no real reason for her to be in this movie for such a small role that she's in. Yeah. Uh, like, all. And yeah. it's it, it's genuinely the Lin-Manuel Miranda effect where Jon Favreau just surrounded himself with beautiful women <laughs> and made them all say, ooh, you're smart and hot and funny. And yeah. Yeah, they, they just sure. included a scene where he seduces her with like cooking and then like drops it like it's over. I think he just wanted to seduce Scarlett Johansson or at least write a script where she had to look seduced by Jon Favreau. <laughs> that part made me feel weird. Um, you know. Yeah. Yep. That's my it's two like cents on that. Adam it's Sandler the Lin-Manuel Miranda that He produces <laughs> making himself be married to beautiful women and being like, it's me, rich guy on vacation with my beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love Hubie Halloween. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think there's a little bit of that going on in, in Chef. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jake. Um, there's something I promised um, for Ratatouille. Um, and I'm going to, to, to sate your taste buds a little bit, audience. Um, by beginning with a, a small chat on the philosophy of Ratatouille and what is fascinating and strange about it. This will be quick. So there's this concept of moral agency versus moral patiency. A moral agent is someone that is capable of rational thought and acting in a moral way. They can determine right from wrong. Moral patient mm-hmm. is someone who is not capable of that. We typically apply it to animals, children, um, etc. that aren't capable of rational thought in the same way. Normally, we picture rats as moral patients in the real world. Um, They aren't capable of determining right from wrong, so we don't apply the same standards of morality. However, Ratatouille as a movie wants us to selectively treat rats as moral agents, which causes some really weird problems when you start thinking about it. Because on one hand, we are shown that clearly Remy can determine right from wrong. He can act as a moral agent. There's the scene where he has arrived in Paris. He is hungry. He wants to eat. um, And he's going to steal the food from Gusteau's. And then a manifestation of Gusteau appears and tells Remy, um, no, no, no. A chef makes, a thief takes. Clearly, Remy can conceptualize right from wrong. He knows stealing is morally wrong. However, 
there's this whole other side where the movie still wants to treat rats like moral patients. We get the old woman who is applying a model of uh, just killing, justified killing to the rats, um, wherein there are some models of that philosophy that determine if something isn't capable of rational thought in the same way as a person because they don't have the same shared capabilities and experience and capacity for rationality, it can be okay to kill them. This is how we justify killing animals for food. She is she is applying that logic that of rats are moral patients. We are justified in killing them. She's going to shoot them with a shotgun. And <laughs> scenes with like Linguini stealing food for Remy. You know, he steals food from his place of work and gives it to a rodent. But the film doesn't show that as bad. It doesn't pass judgment on Linguini for it because he's acting in the name of a moral patient, not capable of providing for themselves in the same way. Um, the movie wants to have its philosophical cake and eat it, too, which is just such a fascinating position to put people in. Um, and I'm sure it's just because nobody really unpacked this and thought about it in the writer's room. Um, but it just like creates such a strange universe for morality to exist in this world. Um, you know what else is really strange about that? We don't see any other animals in this movie except for dead ones that the people eat and that Remy cooks. So do you, what's it like for a rat to just like kill and eat other animals? That's pretty wild. You know, it is are those other animals moral patients as well? Or are they also moral agents? Is Remy just, rats and just and killing? This is the what world that evolves world into no the alien world that Crystal and her alien dog are from. And the rats are the alien dogs and the humans turn into what Crystal is. Well, That's what this rat. movie is. Oh, there is Buff Rat. Buff Rat is the start of the evolutionary <laughs> chain to a, a strong alien um, dog. And circling back to something Jake said, maybe there are no other animals. And those yeah. are just like factory created organic masses of meat, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe this meal is chicken different. rat. <laughs> there's Buff Rat. There's chicken rat. There's cow rat. And I, ju I, I just think that that's so fascinating. And I could talk a lot longer about the philosophy and ratatouille because I think it's weird so, to unpack. So, wait. Go ahead, Jake. Um, Sorry. Is that like, no, no, no. Is that like a pro or a con for you? I think I don't know. Because so here's what I want to pose it against is <laughs> Chef, I think, has a much more clear view of moral agency and moral patiency um, because we have the story of Jean Favreau learning that his son is also a moral agent, that his son is also capable of rational thought. And, you know, the, the film th indicates that moral agents are capable of cooking on food trucks. Moral agents are capable of corn starching their balls. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the moral problem I have in, in Chef. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, here's the thing is John Favreau and Mar Carl and Martin cornstarch their balls, moral agents. They know this is a, you know, a, a morally sound decision. You can cornstarch your balls. Thus by letting thank you, Percy thank you for that agency cornstarch his balls. Percy must be allowed to work on a food truck. See, or are they moral <laughs> patients because they do not recognize it bad to cornstarch balls next to child and it bad to tell child he should cornstarch his balls. Well, they, they still would be moral agents. We would just be allowed to judge their decisions as wrong. Oh. So do we think it's wrong for them to cornstarch their balls and tell the child to cornstarch his? Yes. 
I think cool. it is bad to touch your balls next to a child <laughs> who is not your child. Even actually, no, I think it is bad to touch your balls and look at any child while you do so. Uh, it does not matter if it is your child, different child. Do not touch balls while child is nearby. That is the decision I've made. I was just going to say, like, my biggest moral problem is that he w- essentially whips his balls out in front of this kid on a truck. <laughs> it, I mean, that's the problem here. And his dad's asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Martin does it while Carl is asleep. Oh, and then, yeah. huh. uh, then Carl wakes up and is like, oh, and he's yeah, like, give, give me, me some, some of that. Let me touch my balls. Yeah, I'd rather have confusing morals of rat, you know, whatever, than... <laughs> <laughs> the morals of dude in a food truck whipping his ball out, putting starch in it. You know what I mean? You make an interesting Who point. Put that scene in that fucking movie, man. Who did it? <laughs> Jake, is that is that a vote? You know, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I it's actually very hard because these movies are very similar and I like them for similar reasons. Uh I do think talking about the um critics helps, the moral conundrum about balls helps. Um <laughs> Yeah. The endings really shine a light for me. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ratatouille on this one. Uh that's my vote. You know, this one I think is really tough. This I think for all of us could have been a finals matchup, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day watching Ratatouille makes me hungry for the ending of Ratatouille. So I'm going to vote for Ratatouille. And I, um, the, the confused morality, um, at least chef has a clear picture of morality, you know, even if it's, even if it's a picture of what is wrong, wrong. (laughs) it is still a clear picture. Ratatouille (laughs) doesn't know what they're doing, but, um, so I'm voting for chef, but with Ratatouille advancing, oh, we haven't even gotten into the societal critique that exists in that movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that's that- amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad chef got a vote genuinely. I'm glad we got to compare these two movies because like there was a there was a point where like I really was like, oh, wow, these would be two really cool movies to talk about. And I was just going to talk about them in comparison with y'all even outside the podcast because it was going to be fun. Um, um, no, it was, it was delightful. Yeah. And I'm so glad I got to watch chef finally. <laughs> Um, I, I, yeah. it was a great movie. Ratatouille is obviously, really you know, Pixar's magnum opus, one of the greatest animated films of all time or something. <laughs> That's fucking nonsense. Someone asked me, someone asked me, uh, where, where movies are available to watch. Chef is on Netflix, I believe, uh, if you have Netflix. So watch Chef there. Ratatouille is on Disney plus. Maybe we should start telling where people can watch the movies. Maybe that's a good idea. Yeah. That might be a good idea if they're available. I was going to actually, I, we can, so jumping to the other side of the bracket, um, I have two movies that I can't introduce at the same time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Why not? You should try. 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 <laughs> what if you try? Um, we have Jiro Dreams of Good Burgers. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I feel like he would hate that sentence. I feel like Jiro would like be actively angry at that sentence. I, I think Jiro would be very unhappy watching Good Burger. Um, so, <laughs> you know what? I was going to try to link these up, but in um, anticipation of one day maybe trying to go to Jiro's uh, restaurant, um, I don't want to make him too mad now. Um, so we have Jiro Dreams of Sushi, released in 2011, directed by David Gelb. Tells the story of sushi chef Jiro Ono. Um, and then a 
whole bunch of other things uh, that relate to his story. Um, but it focuses on his passion for sushi making as an art. It is a, a fantastic documentary about fantastic sushi. Other side of the, the matchup, we've got Good Burger released in 1997, directed by Brian Robbins. Um, we have Ed and Dexter, played by a young Keenan and Kel, um, with impeccable comedic timing as they work at the titular Good Burger when um, a competitor <clears throat> crops up across the street called Mondo Burger. Um, and when all help is lost, Ed's special sauce saves the day. Uh, and it's a wild ride with <laughs> all sorts of crazy casting and plenty of dudes, <laughs> as in we're all dudes. Um, lots of fun to be had. Nice. What a progressive bit. For the time. <laughs> I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude because we're all dudes. What I thought was really brave about Good Burger is that it didn't fall into the trap that I feel like a lot of movies like it fall into where they used a lot of jokes from Good Burger sketches, but they didn't like force in other sketches into the movie, you know, like. Uh, they, the, yeah, they, mm. they for, forced other all that characters like they, they had like oh, scenes. Of, See, of, I didn't watch all yeah. that. So you didn't watch all that. They, there was a couple so scenes I where they know. had like, you know, little winks and nods um, to mm. those characters. The thing that I think is to Alex's credit, though, on not picking up on it is it doesn't feel like those characters are out of place. You know, it's mm-hmm. more right. a nod to people who are familiar rather than um, like shoehorning in these familiar characters just for the sake of including them, which admittedly is what it mm-hmm. is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, I don't fully. I mean, but I watched all that. So like, I, I, I get it. I get you, it. You've got a, a keen Eagle's eye on picking up on it. Yeah. Ah! I have Jiro a, would hate good burger, right? Jiro would would not <laughs> eat a good burger. Well, that's actually uh, a, a great jumping off point for a conversation I wanted to have. I think both of these movies have a commentary on mastery. And I think this is where Jiro would maybe consider good burger or maybe mm. not. You know, we can talk about it. Jiro's very clearly dedicated his life to mastering the art of sushi making, whereas Ed has seemingly stumbled into mastery of sauce making you know so i I think there's a bit of a talent versus hard work scenario going and do you think that jiro would pay respect to that okay but here is Um, where the distinction is yeah jiro is a master of sushi because he can make he knows the ins and outs of all sushi ed stumbled into one great sauce recipe i would argue that that does not make him a master of sauce that makes him the owner of a recipe of one good sauce See where the mm. distinction is like because he he has one good sauce, but it's not like he also has a great garlic aioli and <laughs> a great like spicy ketchup, you know? Well, with the Colette rule, we don't see Ed try to make any other sauces. Applying the Colette argument. Yes, I, I have a question. And I, I it's, it's how old is Jiro now? How old is Jiro? How old is he currently? Um, old. Let's find out. He's 96. Oh boy, that man okay, is. So you know that <laughs> you know that thing where people. This is a joke that went around uh, Twitter, probably somewhere else. You know the thing where it's like, I really want to give pop rocks to a little like colonial girl <laughs> and watch her die instantly. Um, <laughs> want to give pop rocks to Jiro. <laughs> No, want to give a good I burger. Imagine, yeah, I imagine if Jiro eats good burger, he's dying instantly. 
like, like there's no no fucking way. This dude's only probably eating sushi or like prepare whatever his whole life. He's 96. Motherfucker's gonna die instantly if he takes a bite of burger, let alone good burger, whatever's in egg sauce. He, he has eaten like perfect um a perfectly prepared just high quality fish for so much of his life that eating the monstrosity that is a good burger with egg <laughs> like he's sauce dying. on it you think if you gave Jiro a big back he would he would die <laughs> jesus i'm sorry but it's true he would oh, die boy. oh my god that's really funny. He'd also probably die if he ate Pop Rocks, but that's another. <laughs> Un- unrelated, unrelated. God, that's honestly fantastic observation. Thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, because, you know, I-, I think that's something that most people haven't considered. Um, that's actually um, a, a question, though. Like, Jiro became a master of his craft or whatever. He wasn't even like, do you, do you think it's hard for him to eat at other restaurants or do you think it's hard for him to like, it, are, is your palate as a chef, like, kind of fucked? Or do you have to, like... Because in, like, Chef Ratatouille, they love all food, so they eat all food kind of a deal, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But with Jiro, it feels like he would hate... Like, he would talk shit about some restaurants and not want to eat. Or do you have to separate that with your work life? I just think the work-life balance of, like, cooking food and enjoying food, Jiro is very, like, that line is blurred. Ed doesn't give a shit, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. For Jiro, it kind of feels like... He probably doesn't eat other food because he works all day at the restaurant. So he eats at the restaurant and then he goes home and then he goes back to the restaurant and he eats there, you know, Hmm. like, and that's what he does every day. So, yeah, I think I I pretty much agree with with that thought from Alex. You know, it's probably he probably that the sushi space is probably most of what he consumes or maybe just like various rice dishes. Um, But obviously I can't speak to it. I don't know Jiro personally. Well, and you know what? Ed is the same way. Ed wakes up in his Good Burger uniform, goes to Good Good Burger, and <laughs> stays shit. there until he goes home and goes to sleep. He is the most committed. Are, are you may, are you maybe rethinking your statement from earlier, Alex? I might be. I is might Ed a be. master of Good Burgers? He could be. Well, it's it's what you define as a master, and that's what gets complicated about these it's the two same movies. Thing. It's the what same thing as Ratatouille Chef. Ed is. At the beginning of his career, he's training, he's learning. Jiro is at the end of his career. He's already a master. Do we ever get a clue as to how old Ed is slash how long he's been a good burger? Slash what the fuck is are his career aspirations beyond that? Slash what's his situation like? All I know is that his parents are happily together. He makes that one joke <laughs> that his parents are happily married at the expense of Keenan's character. <laughs> um, I think uh, maybe... Ed is like an, an Eldridge horror. Um, I really think he is. Like, <laughs> he has no background, no whatever. He wakes up in a vague bed. It's probably not even his bed because when he wakes up, he's scared of the clock. You know? <laughs> and and his, his statement, he's a dude, she's a dude, because um, we're all dudes. That's like a, a higher level of, of being, you know? It is like, he is oh, part of me. I am dude. She is part of me. I'm dude, because we're all dude. You know, it's not that we are all dudes. It's that we are all all aspects of the same dude. It's dude, an eldritch yeah. abomination rather than like a, a, a heartwarming philosophy. Yeah, it, it's a statement of fact to everyone. He says it to you are part of me because I expand beyond this universe because I am dude. You are dude. <laughs> 
Damn. Um, but in reality, Damn. I think I think um, because what? Uh, it's really communism. Yeah. I always thought of Kel's character as like way older. Hmm. You know what rocks in Good Burger? The manager being like, Ed, I'm going to give you extra money because of your sauce. So what fast food manager would do that? That rocks. Jiro wouldn't do that. No, he wouldn't. He probably mm-hmm. does not pay his people particularly well, but I'm not sure. <laughs> because he pays probably the I love how you said that yeah. just in case Jiro comes after you personally. <laughs> like there was fear um, in your eyes for Jiro fucking coming for you. My, my, I mean, my, my, Statement for that is he probably views it as closer to an apprenticeship where they gain experience. So they have living wages, um, but, you know, they're not going to it's not going to be a lucrative life. Sounds like someone in the podcast is a manager. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Jake, <laughs> crazy. Um, <laughs> um, so actually, I did the I did the math on this. Do I have it in my notes? Oh, um, no, because I knew it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because um he you know he offers mondo burger offers ed like more money per month like hey you know like come come work for us we'll pay you better and um like doubling his hourly wage or something i did the math based on how many hours they work at good burger to get his like hourly wage plus then the profit sharing that he gets based on a sales number that the manager mentions in one of the episodes. And unfortunately I didn't record it in my notes, but he still makes more if he works for good burger than doubling his hourly wage would (laughs) based on getting 10 cents a burger because of the profit sharing. That's so funny. And honestly, I bet someone did the math because it's like still a, clue that mondo burger is bad if you didn't figure it out by then yeah at that point if you didn't figure it out by then you know all the math people would come out and be like wait something's wrong here (laughs) something wait a minute right yeah mondo burger is 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 thinking they can trick him um based on this you know the the flawed thinking whereas if they offered him a more direct profit sharing agreement in mondo burgers franchising it would be a better offer um for ed anyway <laughs> remember when ed beats that woman into submission on accident that's kind of a wild plot line remember when ed, yeah the what the the mondo burger spy yeah that's oh pretty cool. okay carmen <laughs> electra um, i was like yes. what the fuck did yeah. i miss who did yeah yeah. Um, you know what's wild that's another hint that he's way older because you know yeah he's hanging out with Keenan, that's weird, but they give him a much older date. That's true. So he's probably around the same age as her in that movie. Or Jiro. He's probably the same age as Jiro, honestly. The battle between them is truly a battle between two incomprehensible (laughs) Eldridge abominations. The good burgers gave Ed long life. Something... A couple of things I want to I want to call out or something I want to call out from Good Burger that I think is such an odd inclusion, but so close the 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 wistful budding romance um of ed and heather and heather knowing it's not right for her to escape with them and you know it's just such a a like teardrops in the rain kind of moment what could have been i remember being very sad there's again that like period of time you know where it's like are movies real or are they fake or are they real i was like damn <laughs> I really Damn. was hoping they'd be together. I, I hope for it every time. But I also watch Linda it. now is available. <laughs> now available. So. And then also just related to that scene, because I feel like it warrants mentioning because it's 
you know, just such a dumb joke, but it makes me laugh. Um, they have the big guy break the window because it's, you know, like super powerful glass or whatever. And then Ed just on his own jumps <laughs> through the other window. <laughs> Another there are still so many good, so many good jokes here. I love the last joke uh, or one of the last jokes where like, there's like, oh, we can't be friends or like something like, and then Ed's just like, is it because I'm black? And it was so funny. <laughs> he delivered that line so fucking well. Oh, <laughs> it was it's, so good. It, it's, it's. Chef's Part of gift. me really thinks Kel Mitchell improved a lot of those scenes. Like he had to of like they oh, just yeah. he played I Ed for so. so long, like in the sketches or whatever. He probably just like Ed, do your Ed says something. Ed here is probably just in the script a in, lot. Insert Ed dialogue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so good. It's so fun. Anyone have other 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 topics of comparison? I have a thought. Go for it. It's that I'm ready to vote. And on that note, um. I'm voting for Jiro, not because I'm worried for him, but also like if I vote for Goodberger, I feel like that's voting for his death because it would kill him. <laughs> I still stand by that statement. So do you, Matt, do you vote you? what you will, but that's that's my rationale. I'm voting for <laughs> Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Um, this one's so tough for me. I think which, which one speaks to the bracket better and which one I so desperately want to keep talking about are different. but. I, I, I think I need to vote for Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Um, Jiro's passion and craft for sushi making um, hits the, you know, it comes back to bite me from episode one. I established what, you know, I kind of view this bracket as. So I got to vote that way. Um, but I love Good Burger so much. I also am voting for Jiro Dreams of Sushi. That's uh, a unanimous vote for Jiro. It's moving um, on. But the but I love before we go before we go, I just want to I just want to double down, say it again. You know, good burger, underappreciated, truly a masterpiece. Those beautiful long takes, the unique cinematography, all those crazy (laughs) angles, the perfect shot composition. There's always things of interest going on. Um, Mm. Enlightened character work. You get people like Otis. He should have died years ago, he says. Unpack it. It asks these things of you. There's action, there's comedy, there's heartfelt moments, there's romance, there's disaster movie elements of Mondo Burger exploding. There's commentary on the justice system. I wish you would have system. said this before we voted. <laughs> um, and Wait, do you guys think Otis thing. is... <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Do you guys think Otis is still alive because Ed is keeping him alive with his eldritch power? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Food. And that's also... Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I can't vote for a good burger is I can't endorse that sort of power existing in the universe with me in it. If, it, um, if it's not you who has the power. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then also finally, good burger, a slapping original song about being a dude <laughs> that plays over the end. Uh, I'm a dude. He's a dude. Go watch good burger. I don't know. I had fun. I had so much fun. With it. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Cool. Um, so, with that, our finale next week is going to be Ratatouille versus Good Burger. Crazy. Uh, nope, not uh, Good Burger. Do you introduce yeah, like, What happened? <laughs> what happened? Um, um, I was like, did Ratatouille win? And then I said Good Burger. Um, yeah, you want to redo time. that or you uh, just want to double down? Uh, I'll just leave it in. It'll be good. It's good. It's kind of fun. Is it? it? Shows that it's not scripted. Yep. If you thought it was, 
this kind of content only comes fresh off the dome, baby. <laughs> no, nah, we're actually just really good writers, and we know how to write this supernatural dialogue. Uh, yeah, natural. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so catch our finale of the, the Hungry Bracket, and then we've got a special uh, coming after that. So be on the lookout for how the Tough Cut podcast is celebrating the holidays, because who knows? Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah will Hanukkah. be over by the time you listen to this, but we're recording it. So shout out Jews. Shout out Jews. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, um, send it to someone, you know, that's Jewish. I don't know. Hey, we talked about <laughs> uh, critics a lot in this episode. So I want, I challenge you guys to be our ego or be our random dude. Scathe us, challenge us, and then we'll bring you back to your childhood with a movie and talk about it and really like, you know, bring you on board. So if you want to be a part of that, be a part of that. If you have a hole in your heart, review us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. And you can follow us and we post on all the relevant social medias. We're, we're all over them. Um, so, you know, at Tough Cut Pod, uh, you can tweet at us like we've asked you to do several times this episode. If you don't know what our at is. So that's the reason you haven't done it yet. At Tough Cut Pod. It is at uh, Tough Cut Pod. <laughs> um, I don't know. Send us an email and don't bring up Transformers Age of Extinction. OK, we're getting scared. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I've received another email. Oh, and I feel no. under attack and you'll find out about it next time on the Tough Cut podcast. Is that a radio announcer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>